So I have a newfound appreciation for Calabama, speaking strictly as a performer. Definitely not as a black man or just, you know, a 32-year-old single guy that likes doing shit. But strictly as a performer, I have a newfound appreciation for the Calabama gigs, right? And if you don't know what Calabama is, Calabama are the shows that I call, that uh, some comics will call going on the road. Um, I identify Calabama as north of Los Angeles, south of Santa Barbara, and then north of Santa Barbara, and south of Santa Cruz, Monterey, you could say. And then, like, just anything, like... I've actually never done stand-up in wine country. I did stand-up in Santa Rosa, but, like, if you really fucking know wine, like, Santa Rosa is, like... It's, like, kind of by wine country. Like, it's kind of by Sonoma, but it's, like, okay, Vallejo's also by Napa, but, I mean, would anybody say, like, oh, you're in wine country? No. Like, Santa Rosa ain't wine country, even though they make some wine out there. Vallejo definitely ain't. It's, like, worlds apart from Napa. Anyways... Then I consider Calabama. Oh, well, that's a good question. What I consider like Vallejo and that shit, like Calabama. Kinda, kinda, but that's besides the point. No, but Sacramento is definitely Calabama. It's just like more concentrated and it's like they have an actual sports team and an airport. But the point being, though, is like like Calabama is places where people, it, it, it could be two things. It's like one where people voted for Trump twice, but, like, they still know how to dress. Or it is, like, a bunch of people that, like, make good money for where they live, and they have, like, real jobs. And when I say, like, real jobs, it's, like, it's not even, like, they work with their hands, but it's, like, stuff where, it's, stuff where like, a kid could I easily identify, like, yes, that is an occupation. Funny as shit, right? I was at my, um... I was at my my cousin's house and I seen like I seen my niece right. It, I said like the dog was like all humping my leg and doing a bunch of stuff, and I just said yes, I know, I'm awesome. And then everybody laughed, and it was like the first time that my niece laughed at something I said. And then her mom goes, "So do you know what Lyle does? He is a comedian." And she says, "What's that?" And then she, she says. He goes on stage and he tells jokes and people laugh and they pay him. And then she said, that doesn't sound like a real job. And I said, yeah, I can't believe it is either. I'm amazed I was able to trick them this long. But something where like, uh, like if you say, if you have to explain what you do to a kid, it's not to say that it's not a real job. But, you know, it's like if it's like basically like if the fucking apocalypse happened, it's like, we don't need me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, you work in tech and you're a fucking data analyst, you're a product manager. We don't need that shit in the apocalypse, nigga. We need, we need somebody to police the community from, like, all the animals that got let out the zoo. You know, we, we, need, a, we need a medic to, to bandage people from, like, the, atom, the atomic bombs. We don't, we need somebody that can, um, that knows how to skin the radioactive meat that we're going to eat. Like we we need like oh farmer agriculture like that's a job but you know like fucking <laughs> anyways 
it's it's not a bunch of people out here that's like, I'm a product marketing manager. It's like, what the fuck is that? You know? (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Oh, fuck the ops, nigga. But so what I'm saying is... (laughs) What I'm saying is, though, is, um, you know, it's just real fucking people out there, right? And I have a newfound appreciation because before... I was one of these comics where, like, I would complain that, like, they just weren't smart enough. And, and it's, you know, I'm not doing, like, fucking political humor up there. But that just, like, they didn't know enough about the world outside of their bubble. And I would complain about, like, how much I had to switch up my material. And, like, I would I would do those gigs begrudgingly because, like, they often, you know, pay well. or they Or they pay, like, well enough to justify you being in a car for four hours and then coming back home to... LA or the Bay Area, you know, wherever the gig is. It's like I wouldn't even call it the road. It's kind of more like satellite gigs. It's like, all right, you're just going to this satellite and then you're coming right back. You know, you're not going to the moon. You're just going to a satellite that's orbiting around and then you're coming back. But so anyways, um I did oh yeah, and I don't consider Santa Barbara a Calabama gig just because it like and I performed in Santa Barbara many and many a times and they're like a very. I haven't performed there lately, so I'm I'm sure things have changed because I hear that like there's, there there's like a version of white gentrification there, like certain people are being pushed out, but um no, but there there's certain so like they're like very you know savvy and you know they get shit um, but then you know you go south like down to Ventura and it's like Alabama. With that said, I'm really appreciating people that are there for the moment. Especially, like, after being on, like, lockdown for, like, a year and a half with the pandemic and all the the different tier restrictions and how rough it was in California and we couldn't perform and stores was closed and, like, it was just really, really shitty. Like, if you just wanted, like, a slice of, like, regular life in California, like, you was flying out to Atlanta or uh, Houston if you black or or Las Vegas or, or, you know, like, that's what you was doing. And I wasn't doing any of that. I I was being a good boy. I was I was being a good boy for 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 Massa Fauci. <laughs> like, oh well, so you just gonna do whatever Massa Fauci says. <laughs> oh man, I, I love some Hotep Coonan. But look, point being though, know, I appreciate people that are there for the moment and like I wish I appreciated that more pre-pandemic doing those types of uh, shows. Cause now, like, it's fun to like get them into my shit and then kind of bring my shit to them. Like, it's it's fun. So it was two gigs, right? Um, right before I flew up to the bay, uh, for for Christmas, uh, I did a gig with my buddy Mateen, and he he hit me up. Both these gigs last minute. So Mateen hits me up, and this is like I want to say a Tuesday or Wednesday, and he's like, "Hey, there's this gig, um, in in Orange County. You want to come down and do it?" So we drive. Oh, also, Mateen, what he did was fucking dope. He got me a coon skin hat. <laughs> he got me a fucking raccoon skin hat, and I wore the shit on stage. It was the fucking best. And I'm like walking around this bar in Orange County, where it's just it's all Mexican and white, and a coon skin hat was no fuck in the world. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but I but I I didn't tap dance on stage for the record. Nah, but so did the gig. It was fun. And what I liked about it is, like, (laughs) 
What I liked about it, right, is people were just there. They're giving me applause breaks in, like, on setups. Like, I would just say, and look, I am a better comic than I was, like, you know, four years four years ago. Like, I'm, I'm like, really, really in my bag on stage. But even with that said, they were just appreciating, like, oh, wow. Like, they were, like, there for it. They're like, no, we came out. And it wasn't, like, it's not, like, in the way, like, with a black crowd where it's, like, we got dressed for this shit. It's just like, hey, we we we're here to fucking laugh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, good sports about the crowd work, and then everybody, like not everybody, but like <laughs> all the guys, because like that is like my fan base for obvious reasons. It was like, hey, let me get your Instagram. Let me get you. Oh man, that was so funny. You got a YouTube? Oh man, that's good. Hey, hey, I'm on Facetime with my girl. Say what's up. I met this super funny comedian. I'm like, that's what the fuck I like. That's what the fuck I like. And then we had a we had a fun ride back. Then out the blue on Saturday, and Saturday was the day I was going to, like, I was just going to have, like, some Lyle fun. Like, I was going to do self-care. You know, I was going to, I was, like, doing laundry. I was going to take myself out to dinner, and then I was going to go, like, I was going to do my little Sherman Oaks, you know, mile. We're like, all right, we're going to hit this spot, then we're going to hit that spot. And I was like, it it was going to be, like, a, a fun little day. Then while I'm in the midst of doing laundry, my boy Clay hits me up, Clay Newman, and Clay's like, hey, doggy, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, this is a show with Long Punk, man, and, you know, it's like, you know, like other comics dropped out, man, and, you know, like, it'd be pretty fucking rad if you could do it, man. Like, look, I, I know, like, featuring for me is, like, a little a little beneath you, you know, normally I'm your feature, but it's like, dude, it's like you get some cash out of it, you don't really pay well, and, yeah, it's, yeah, and I'm like, all right, yeah, fuck it. I'll meet you at show spot, and then yeah, we'll we'll go, we'll go right out together. Um, so anyway, so we're doing it. We're on the way, <clears throat> and it's funny when you're like in a car, and we're going from North Hollywood to oh no, excuse me, Valley Village. We're going to it's like say like North Hollywood, motherfucker. It's Valley Village. We're going from it's basically North Hollywood. So we're going from North Hollywood to Lompoc, which is about, it's like two and a half hours, I want to say, like, like just one way, if I'm not mistaken, and so we're on the way, and there's like a thing that you got to do when you're like, uh, when you're like in a car with the comic for a long period of time, and you know, and you, you also know that you're going to be coming back like the same night, it's like you got to strategically stretch out the conversation to certain things that you're going to cover. Like, up two hours and 40 minutes one way. Yeah, it's fucking far. You gotta, like... It, it, it's it's kind of like when you're getting ready to go, like, on a first or, or, like, when you're, like, going on dates, like, one through four, and you, like, actually really like the person. You're like, okay, like, let me not put this for... Like, this isn't text... I, I don't want to waste this on a text. I want to use this for, like, the actual date, you know? It's it's like that when you you in a car with a comic. It's not even like like you're running material by each other. It's like you just want to, you know, because also like just sitting in a car, just listening to radio. Also, in those situations just also isn't as fun because it's like when are you guys going to feel the need to like talk and share something? There's probably some comics who are like, I don't think about it like that, Lyle. I just talk when I have something to say, and I answer a question. But me, I, I'm kind of more, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a little, I'm, that's not manic. It's just like, 
I don't know. I'm a, I'm a vibe guy. Anyways, point is, we get to the fucking gay long poke, and it's like we're performing. It's it's called like the Flower City Ballroom or something like that. It is like this. They have like this really big stage. I wouldn't call it a theater because they had like a bunch of like really like cheap fold out chairs and stuff. Like the kind of chairs that look like they would be like in like a like like one of those like family Mexican restaurants. You know what I mean? Where it's like they they only do refried beans. <laughs> like it's, it's like refried and pinto. That's all we have. No black. Like it was that it was, it was that type of setup. I know that's oddly specific, but that's what it was. They had the most beautiful fucking green room I had ever seen. Like it was up there probably with like the Cobb's green room in terms of like nicest green rooms I've ever been in. Uh but so anyway, so we're there, and then and we're seeing it get set up, and then we're like, me and Clay's like, it's a little different from LA. Not gonna lie, it's a little different from LA, man. Yeah, a little different doggy. So, <laughs> by the way, that nigga hates when I do an impression of him. Like, it, it, the fun thing, like as a comic, when you could do impressions of like other comics, like some people like fucking love it because clay loves when i do impressions of other people but i remember one time we was at a show and like and, like matt ducker was laughing it was a bunch of comics I, I said like you know it's a lot of bitch ass niggas man you know like look i'm a white jew and look i'm just saying Kanye and Kyrie are some, are some dopey niggas man i mean come on yeah like <laughs> we need to build a wall to keep them out bro i'm just saying and I said that in front of Clay's Mexican girlfriend. I'm just like, yo, you are out of pocket, Lyle. But fuck it, I was cooning. Um, nah, but we friends, though. I love Clay. So anyway, so we're there. And uh, the one comic that's opening, he's like real funny, dude. Um, he was he was like really, really, really. And it's funny, it's like, because I said this to his face. It's like, when you do those types of gigs, right? The comics I find um, are like one way or the other. Like they're either like super, super fucking kind of rough around the edges or they feel like real hipster. Like they look like they could like work at a bookstore or some shit, you know. And this guy was, this guy had more bookstore vibes. Funny dude. Anyways, the show was fucking fun. Like, you know, and there was like, because when I do those types of shows, like, it's always like some dips because I'm kind of like, all right, are they fucking with this? Are they fucking with this? Then eventually I just kind of bring them in my shit. Like, because there was a time when I would do these like kind of more. And and by the way, if y'all don't know what the crowd was, it was like, it was probably like, I don't like... 50-50 white Mexican, honestly. Maybe just a little bit more white than Mexican, but not by a lot. Like, maybe you could say 60, 60 white, 40 Mexican, but it was, like, really kind of split down the middle. And, like, the white people, that, that would, and everybody was, like, on the older side. Like, I don't think anybody at this show was, like, under 37, honestly. Like, it was definitely, like, an older crowd. And, I mean, and I know, like, when you... And those types of environments, like this, the fucking like, like a thirty in a small town is like is like a a a, a big city thirty eight. You know what I mean? Like, just is is different. 
but the point is, I had, a, I had a blast on stage. I get, thank God, I, I filmed that set too. But I had a blast on stage. I get off stage, right? And everybody's like, "Hey, can I get you? A drink? Can I get you a drink?" And I'm like, "I'm like, no, 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 man. My man's on stage right now. I want to be like real. You know, I want to be respectful. But yeah, let's do a drink after." Then everybody is buying me drinks and saying, "Thank you for coming out and entertaining us. Thank you for coming out and entertaining us. Thank you, thank you, thank you." And I'm like, that's the type of shit that I like. I love that shit, you know? And it's not... And look, there's a difference, like, let me just say, within contrast between, like, doing, like, a a crowd for, like, a metropolitan audience and then doing a crowd for, like, kind of, like, you know, smaller, whatever, is... In a big city, they're just used to seeing more performers so they're not like thanks for coming so like in LA it's not like thanks for coming out it's like nigga I know why you live here you're trying to make it so you know good show but I'm not gonna fucking thank you for being here you know like but at the same time it's just like I don't want to be around people that just ain't in the fucking moment like I was on I was on a date in LA, and I all like this will be for like another episode or another segment. I'll elaborate on this shit more. But I was on a date in LA. I shouldn't say it with who. I was on a date with my fucking building manager. Like <laughs> I was just like, yo, like what's up? Like <laughs> she's like, yeah, like yeah, all right, yeah, like let's go out. And she showed up hungover, and it was just like really, really bad, like. It did not fit my fucking vision, okay? She she was like, we went out to brunch, and I purposely did not get fucked up the night before because I'm like, all right, I want to be on. Then she shows up fucked up, and I'm just like, this is just the fucking worst. Then, while in San Francisco, I'm on a date with a chick. Uh, like, And this was like a few days ago. I leave like Friday, God willing, knock on wood, if the fucking if the airlines get their shit together. Want a date, and she like apologized seven times for being awkward. She told me I was like her first actual date outside of her boyfriend, or like outside of her like six year relationship that she was in. And like I couldn't, I'm like, wait, what are you saying? And then like when she came up, she gave me like an awkward side hug. Her body language was just awful. Like it was, you would have thought that like LeBron and Kyle Kuzma was like at the bar together. Like it was just fucking. It's awful body language. And then she's like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and get myself. And I, I I told her, look, just go home. Like, let's not, let's, let's not deal with this. I will unpack this thoroughly at another time. But so I'm saying to bring it back to, to stand up and all that. I don't like performing for these, like, Oh, you can't say that. Uh, uh, uh. Like, I don't like performing for motherfuckers where they bring their other world shit to the show. I don't like doing that. Like, if you, you know the context of what this is, you know that our goal is just to make you laugh, just to have a good time, and you're going to focus in on that. And look, obviously, I'm talking about like a certain level of professional comedy. I'm not talking about like a free pro-am show where it's people that are still grinding to open mics and this is them getting better to do 10 minutes. I'm not talking about them niggas. I'm I'm not I'm not there anymore. 
But I'm talking about you in a, a comedy, you in a place where like the cover is at least ten dollars. Like, let's just go with that. And you come in bringing all your bullshit. I fucking hate that shit. And the thing about these gigs, like especially like like the the casino in Reading, like nigga, that shit is free. Like they just pull up. Like they, it's a casino. They make they just like, oh, we got some built in entertainment. Like it's just like you know part of the draw to get people out and sell drinks or whatever. Get them like on the machines. You know, it's like. That's like like the difference I would say, and what I appreciate about what I appreciate about you know these Mexicans, the these these white people, in these areas is like they just come in, whereas opposed to these white people and these POCs, right? <laughs> with, with, with they fucking with they with they nose rings and shit, and they come in with they oh well, that's not well technically speaking, like nigga who cares, right? And look, I, I will say there is a difference. Like, and, and look, I'm I'm speaking high because obviously not like when I talk about the Alabama crowd. Obviously, not all these people voted for Trump. Like, some of them were Democrats, and some of them, a lot of them, probably just don't vote Mexicans. But, <laughs> but then you got like the then the people on the blue side where it's like you know. A lot of them are like, well, I'm in California. I knew Biden was going to win. There's really no point in me voting. You know, like, I'm. So, I mean, just bear with me when I when I say this. Like, obviously, I'm not being being literal, but it's like with with the with the blue collar Alabama people. What I appreciate is, or it's not even what I appreciate. I already said what I appreciate. The reason that they can laugh at shit is one, they're not around as much diversity from how people look to what people do. So funny is funny. It's not oh, like it's not like I tell a joke about an Asian person, and then the white person in the crowd goes, hmm. Well, would I feel comfortable if my Asian friends saw me laughing at this? And now I gotta think if I'm like being real or I'm being a punk or not. So I'm just not going to laugh or I'm going to like hold in my laughter. I'm just going to fold my arms. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that is a component to it. And also the reason for it is. So with people on the right, like they'll laugh at everything, including themselves. Whereas people on the left, one, they're not going to laugh at themselves. And two, they'll take up issue for shit that's being said about people that aren't in the room. And that's why they like, that's why I really don't like performing for these types of, and I'm not like, I haven't turned into some Kanye all right, nigga. Like I, I'm still a fucking Democrat. I'm still like a, a reluctant Democrat, but I'm still, I still vote blue. I still, you know, I voted for Gavin Newsom. Like, I voted for the black lady this mayor of LA. I, I'm I'm capping right now. <laughs> oh, that shit sounded so good coming out of my mouth. Cause then I thought, like, did this nigga Lyle really bother to register to vote in LA? <laughs> you know me, like you just kind of like, yeah, Lyle would talk about doing it, and then you'd just be like. Nah, look, man, I got too much going on right now. <laughs> but look, my point, like, my, my, my point being, though, right, is 
with the left, right? There's no room for certain things. So it's like okay with with uh voting for Trump. Like oh, good taxes or like just any Republican candidate, senator voting a certain type of way. It's like and, and look, I'm not here to do the whole well, well Biden and Obama put kids in cages too. Nigga, shut the fuck up. That's not what we talk about. What I'm saying is When you're on the side of the left, it's like, okay, you may get tax breaks and whatever, but there's not enough money for you to call me a nigga. There's not enough money for you to tell me that a woman in my family gets raped and she got to have a kid because some fucking law says it. And like, you may not agree with that law, but you just like your tax breaks so much. Like, there's not enough money to when you're on a certain side to like compromise, you know, certain morals, like that's just not flying. Right. The problem is from a comedian perspective, not like a human from a comedian perspective. Well, I mean, I don't want to say not human, but not from like a, from a comedian perspective, I'll just say that is they bring those, all of these values into the show and it makes it really hard to do your fucking job and just have fun and talk your shit. It makes it really, really fucking difficult. I'm not going to go on to my whole thing where it's just like, where I think like so many women just like hate men because like they can openly. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in all my, like my other little takes. It is a mix of petty and truth and observation. I'm just going to keep it to like being the performer is then when you're on the side of the right, it's just like there's more this like on on the this on the table. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like nobody's really because like as long as like I don't you don't go on stage and be like nobody should have a gun. Like nobody they're not really gonna have an issue with anything that you say. They be like yeah, make fun of us. Yeah, make fun of us. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like why like the right is just like just easier to perform for and when i say the right i don't mean like strong right wing the other thing is it's like okay there's a way that people are on the internet okay like it's people that say shit like there's been people that say shit on the internet to me where they would never fucking say that shit to me in my face like i'm like i'm a big six foot one black man with broad shoulders and big arms you would not say that shit to me in my fucking face. Yeah, you'll say that shit to me in the text message. You'll say that shit to me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. You are not going to talk like that to me in my fucking face. Right? We agree that that's the thing that exists in the world. And then when you bring in politics and social issues, it's people that turn up on different levels. It's people on the right that turn up. It's people, it's the coastal lefties that be turning up. But you know the difference is? When I'm at a comedy show, conservative people don't be turned up like that. They're like, hey, that thing that you said. Hey, that they're just kind of like, that was a good show. Or they just go, thanks, if they didn't like you. And then they just walk the fuck out, right? Whereas people on the left are like, hey, hey, so um, 
So that one joke that you said, I I have a question about that. I remember one time I was talking about I was doing a show in um Half Moon Bay at a brewery. I was headlining the show. And I was going through a breakup at the time, so I had like a lot of lot of uh, material about just what a like about going through a breakup and just w- to put it bluntly, just how fucking difficult dating women can be, and just how like the fact that women like just have a lot of fucking options and they kind of fuck with you when they feel like it, but then. They are like, no, but like you just want sex, and it's like, and you just want to fuck with me, like whenever you feel like it, like, no, like none of this is, like, yeah, that's a human earth, like, like you fucking idiot, like you know, like shit like that, you know. A lot of the material that ended up being on couples therapy, basically. So this girl out this show, and she came with a guy who wasn't her boyfriend. The guy was telling me how much he fucking loved it. Then the woman was asking me all these questions about why I would say these things and where I was coming from. And I was like, well, it's my perspective. And she's like, well, you didn't really have a lot of women's perspective. I'm like, cause I ain't got a pussy nigga. Like, of course I'm gonna talk about shit from my vantage point. And this is like way before amplifying black voices. So it's like, she had the balls to come at me like that. But the point that I'm making is ideally I, it's not even like I'd like, I think like, we kind of all are the same. Like we all just kind of want to find like our, our person romantically. We want to find our peoples socially. Like we, like we're all just kind of tribal people and we want to experience new shit in doses and like smaller doses, the older we get. Like I do think people on both sides get more conservative, the older that they get, you know, just conservative about different things. Um, like I, I think people, I think liberal people get conservative about their liberalism the older they get <laughs> you know what i'm saying so that's one thing i think about us but i'll, I'll just say like ultimately we're kind of kind of similar but i'll say when i'm performing for those calabama crowds there's more kind of like meeting in the middle and i'm not saying this i'm not trying to be Kamel bell and apologize for for white racism or none of that I'm speaking specifically as a nigga being on stage. I just have more fun for these white people that I know don't vote like me than these white people that vote like I vote. But boy, they are not fucking fun. This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Barrens. Thank you very much for tuning in. Truly appreciate it. Hope y'all bring in the new year on a prosperous note, on a healthy, lovely note. I, 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 I just hope y'all good and, and, and y'all bring in the new year in good spirits of you in LA. Two shows, oh, you know, Vino, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. You know the motherfucking vibes. Outside of that, man, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And if you guys are, are, are locked down in the airport or whatever, I hope this gets you through. So the Tory Lanez trial is officially over. You know, I waited to talk about it just due to the fact that there's so much misinformation out there now. And this is something that is on more of the sensitive side. And you had a lot of people that really didn't handle it well. Like, was was Meg lying about being shot? Well, what is it? Wait till all the facts come out. And look, 
there's certain things where like I really am about waiting till the facts come out, especially when we are talking black men being accused of some shit, even if it is black women accusing. But look, it's like this, okay? If a black man is getting accused of some shit by somebody that's not black, I will out loud say, well, we got to wait for the facts to come out. But if it's a black man being accused of some shit by a black woman, I'm going to shut the fuck up and wait till the facts come out. I'm not going to be, this is not, the, like, read the room, you coon. This is not the time to say, like, oh, well, 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 we don't know everything yet. You know, this is not the, this is not the time. And Like, the only time that really happened was um, Chris Brown and Rihanna, where it was like, well, well what she do? You know, that was like the one time, because it's, you know what, I'm not even going to touch that. I'm just going to say, the, the consensus was, well, to make a nigga do all that, she, well, what what happened, right? And then we kind of got an idea of what happened, and they got back together, and then we just kind of let it be. But in a situation like this, we're talking about like a fucking gun and a, a short Canadian man, you know? there's It's like, we kind of know what happened, right? But anyways, I I, I want to wait until until till like I got in, into this because I'm not. <clears throat> I like to add something to the conversation versus the noise. And entertainment is a space where hearsay and rumors are spoken as truth until somebody gets a proper platform like the Breakfast Club or unfortunately a courtroom to give their side. Even and even then, once they get their side off, it's still ultimately going to be judged in the court of public opinion, right? I always thought he shot her. I always thought Tori shot at... I don't think Tori meant to shoot her. I think he meant to shoot at her, get a scare. I think the nigga had a lot of liquor, mixed liquor, and God knows what else in his system. And I think the argument ensued, and then he just fucking did the shit. And allegedly, it was like... Um, I mean, look, you guys can read the, tri- the court transcripts. I didn't like... I just like read everything when it came out. Like I wasn't glued to it super close. I think basically what happened is, you know, they're all kind of messing around with each other. It was like a little bit of a love triangle. And then what I heard was like Meg wanted to leave the party early. He didn't want to go. And then a fight happened. I'm like, we all can relate to that. Like our girl dragging us out of someplace that we wanted to stay. And we all know that there's a lot of men that have no business having guns. Put two and two together. It's not that hard to see what happened. Because, I mean, look, what's more likely? Two, three people that are fucking get into an argument when they're under the influence and the guy wants to scare her that has no business having a a firearm like a lot of men in America ends up firing a shot in her direction to scare her because she pissed him off or is more likely the girl shot the girl but she says the guy shot the girl or a black woman stepped on a piece of glass and would bother with lying to LAPD what the fuck do you think is more realistic? Like, if you have any conception of, of, of human, any perception of like human beings and how things can escalate, it's not that hard to imagine. This honestly reminds me of the Aaron Hernandez situation. Like, is it believable that this guy that has CTE ends up getting drunk and killing a few people and it stays under the radar? Sure. Especially when you look at who he was killing or accused of killing in one of the other cases. Like Aaron Hernandez, right? He's throwing up blood signs in his selfies, and he's a millionaire. And a lot of a lot of pro athletes, to get the money, they become part-time 
in things that they always wanted to be. Some of them become, a lot of them become part-time rappers. Some of them become part-time movie producers, part-time restaurant owners. Uh, this newer generation, part-time uh, uh, wine label owners. Some of them become f- sports franchise owners, and they're like, oh, this is like this cricket team that I'm going to buy. Oh, this soccer team, if you got like LeBron money. A lot of them become fast food franchise owners because that's their way uh, to getting uh, dipping in the business. And a lot of them become uh, media members, you know, all that dream on over the new media. Like, no, nigga, you work at Turner. Ain't nothing new about that. But my point is, <laughs> and a few of them are going to want to sell dope and gangbang. And they've done it. Aaron Hernandez is not the first. Y'all remember that dude, uh, Javaris Crinton? You could Google that name. He, he averaged like five points a game, so you'll need to Google that name. But he was, he basically like, he when he signed with the Lakers, he joined like the Crips or something like that. And he's doing like about 25 years uh, for like uh, shooting, the for killing a woman when uh, she was not the intended target from somebody that robbed him. Allegedly. This is all according to Wikipedia. I'm sure when he gets out, like we'll get like a good Vlad interview out of it. But so a woman pissing a man off is not hard to believe. A man hearing some shit that shakes his foundation is not hard to believe. A man not being able to control himself when interacting with a woman is not hard to believe. And a man being drunk and pulling out a gun ain't hard to believe. I hate these ghetto-ass conspiracy theories. Like, is it more believable the government killed a guy that was already involved in a public feud with another prominent black man? Because Pac... Because look, Tupac stands make it like because Pac made a handful of songs for black women. He was building community centers, right? But is it believable that, like, the, the government did all that or a guy <coughs> that was already making mi- millions off of him will put himself in the line of fire because Tupac's catalog will become so valuable? Or is it more believable that they saw a nigga that snatched the chain for one day little homies they beat up the chain snatcher, and the chain snatcher happened to be a reputed gang member that can't go out like that. And his other fellow gang members go look for the niggas to stomp them out. And they got at the most easily identifiable niggas that shot him Tupac. Or not that shot him, that stomped him Tupac and Suge Knight. Had Orlando Anderson not killed Pac in Vegas, his life would have been rough as a 22-year-old gang member. In a different way. I mean, his life is obviously already rough, but, like, it would have been rough in a different way because it's like... It's like being the nigga that Nipsey Hussle slapped at at the BET Awards, but you're not a civilian. Like, Nip slapped a security guard. And I'm pretty sure for the nigga that got slapped... Like, somebody needs to find the nigga... Like, Vlad needs to find the nigga that Nip slapped, right? And like interviewing like what life is like for for, for that guy, um. But 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 the point is they would have been looking for Pac in L.A. They would they would have been looking for him, man. And I'm not try, I'm not trying to get all glasses Malone, you know. But but like it it, it would have happened, right? The stuff on social media, though, with this, this Tory Lanes and, like, the ghetto conspiracy theories as time has gone on, it has just gotten way too fucking ignorant. Like, it's people comparing Tory Lanes to Emmett Till, which even if you don't think Tory did it, 
Tori is still alive. Emmett Till is not. And also, here's my thing. His music ain't good enough to defend all that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of artists that do and say things that we don't like or that's like just, just a little kooky. And we turned a blind eye. And I'm also not about nitpicking everything out of somebody's life because, like, you know, when there's a microscope on you because there's going to be shit that's not cool and you're going to have weak moments or whatever. But he don't make good enough music for that shit. <laughs> Tori's music ain't even that fucking good. And there's certain artists where, like, if you a fan of them, I question your IQ. And what I mean by that is, like, okay, like, if you, like, say, like, if you, like, Young Thug, Gucci Mane, you know, I'm going to be, like, okay, there's, like, a time and a place for that. And if you, like, Drake, it says that you, like, catchy shit. Or you just, and Drake, Nas, Jay-Z, it's certain artists that show that you may have, like, a bit of emotional intelligence. Like, on the, like, it's plenty of dumb Nas fans, but I'm just saying, there's something, there's, like, something, like, okay, you may know your shorts from your ass if you like this artist. But with Tori, he's not like super dumb, ignorant necessarily. Like he doesn't feel like that. Like, but then he also doesn't feel like smart. Like the bars ain't there. Like he just like so fucking in the middle. Like the music is just so like, like, you know, when like you'll be watching like a, uh, like a TV show and like, it'll be like a, a black urban person coming on screen. So then they're like, all right, let's have a, uh, urban hip-hop beat to symbolize the niggas here. That's what Tory Lane's music sounds like to me. It's just like, hey, this is some niggas. We're at a party. Like, it's just, it's not... Because, it, look, I'm, I, and I'm not trying to... But it's like, look, okay. If Marvin Gaye... If you heard, like, Marvin Gaye may have shot, like, his girl, you'd be like, all right, it was, well, you know. Like, look, it was a lot of cocaine at the time. It was a real difficult time for black men, you know? Like, you just say, Barry Gordy had them all fucked up with that contract. Like, this is like, ways you would justify it. Like, uh, wait, my mom is here right now. Mom, who was the one, um, wasn't there, like, an R&B singer that, like, shot his wife or something? Was Al Green, did I, didn't Al Green do some fucked up shit? Oh, Al Green. Uh. Al Green got murdered by having hot grits thrown on him? No, 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 no. That is a country-ass way to die. <laughs> like, my daddy died from the grits. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. She, I, I thought she did stuff. She, anyway. All right, all right, whatever, you're not here. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> But what I'm saying is that it's like certain things that we will justify. Like, that nigga don't make good enough music for it. And my thing is, it's like, with black men, is it's like, we know, because look, I don't like this this sort of like blind support thing that I see within our culture. Because like, look, it's okay to say, oh, I like this shit from Farrakhan, but I don't fuck with this. Like, it's okay to say, yeah, I like this thing, but I don't... Because, look, I have people in my life, and I don't, like, ride with them or their life choices blindly. I'm like... And now I don't always tell them, like, I think they're fucking up because it's their life. But they say, what do you think of this? I'll say, I think you kind of on bullshit. Like, 
Like it's okay. And look, let, let's get to the heavy talk and say what I really mean. You have a lot of black men that will let's wait till we hear all the facts. You have a lot of black men that will we don't know everything. I think they lying. It's a setup. Really for the fact that a mix of we know we've done fucked up shit in our personal lives that we wouldn't want to be judged for for the rest of our lives. And we have people in our lives that we love that we know have done fucked up shit. And we don't want to... We don't want to taint that. And we don't want to feel like, well, if we acknowledge our Kelly or Tori or whomever, then we're going to have to acknowledge like the skeletons in our own closet and the people that we love in our own lives, right? So we get real ignorant on the internet. <clears throat> I think that's part of the reason. I don't think that's the only reason, but that that's part of the reason, right? And to that I say, I don't think, I think there is a difference between a fucked up thing you did when you was a kid or one time in your life and then to keep still doing it versus because I really don't feel like motherfuckers should be judged for some shit that happened when they was a kid for the rest. I don't, it's certain things. I'm like, I don't feel like people should wear that the rest of their lives. <clears throat> but then there's a difference between that. And then a nigga, like a nigga that's a millionaire having like a sex trafficking ring, like through, through record sales from Jive Records. It's another thing from a nigga that like, You know, like you have security. Like, do you do you really need like a, a unlicensed gun? These are two totally, completely different things. And I think like to then use shit like that as as a means to almost uh, God, I'm I'm trying to think of the right to use that as like like an avatar for like, well, I don't want them coming after me or my uncle is it is fucking ignorant. Not to mention it's like insensitive because it's like, what do you do shit like that? You're saying, like, I don't care about women. I don't care about black women. I don't care about the women around me. And that's just, you know, th that I just think it's, like, bad to put that out in the fucking air. But outside of all that, though, to, like, just bring it back, to just bring it back to, like, the ghetto conspiracy things, I don't like how we're just doing all, like, so, because, you know, like, the first time I really remember just thinking niggas was dumb, was and like when I say the first time, not like oh yeah, this person ain't, ain't like smart. Meaning like, there's certain things that people could think, like a certain take people can have, and you just be like, yo, you are fucking, you are stupid and don't know what the fuck you're talking. It's like if something was like, oh, I mean yeah, James Harden, he's a great post player, great defender. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? James Harden is a good post. <laughs> no, no, the niggas, no, no. But I mean, did you see how many steals he got? That doesn't mean he's a good defender. Like. And I just, and like, it just, but oh yeah, the first time I remember thinking niggas is dumb, all right, was the Tupac is still alive thing. Niggas was doing all this goofy math over Machiavelli and all eyes on me and track numbers. And it's like, <laughs> I don't even want to deconstruct how fucking ignorant that is. But the fact you had niggas really, really thinking Tupac was alive in Cuba that was the first time I was just, like, it, it was fun, like, to, like, look at the shit on the internet, and then, right, and this is me 
at like 12, 13 years old looking to shit on the internet on like these like now like archaic, you know, Tupac.net websites. And I'm like, you fucking, it, no, no, like for one, just how much it would cost to get them out of there like that. Two, <laughs> that like paramedics, so what, they switched out the body. Like this is fucking, this is just fucking asinine. Like I, I cannot stand these ghetto conspiracy theories because they get in the way of real fucking life and just, ah, oh, I just, you know, I can't, you know, I can't, like, I'm so fucking, like, <clears throat> it's not even that I'm angry, it's that it, it's like I have, like, mental constipation just even trying to wrap my head around the fucking buffoonery of ghetto conspiracies. Okay, so there's a quick correction, Al Green is still alive. All right, so my, yo, my mom is hilarious because she be like mixing up black celebrities and it'd be like the funniest shit. She's like, yeah, Al Green got killed with grits. And it says Al Green still going, Wikipedia years active, 1955 to present. Let me see, does Al Green have any, any upcoming shows? I didn't suggest he was dead. I suggested that Al Green killed somebody. Or like like he was involved in, in some stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so Al Green, like, what, let me go in this personal life section on uh on Wikipedia. Okay, here here we go. Um, so on October eighteenth, nineteen seventy four, his girlfriend Mary Woodson assaulted him and then died by suicide at his Memphis home. Although unbeknownst to Green, she was already married with three children. Woodson became upset when Green refused to marry her. She doused him with a pot of boiling grits as he was preparing for bed in the bathroom, causing second-degree burns on his back, stomach, and arms with required skin grafts. Shortly after, she fatally shot herself with a handgun. Police found an apparent suicide note inside Woodson's purse that declared her intentions and her reasons. A few days prior, Al Green has sent her uh, to a convalescence at the home of his friend after she had taken a handful of sleeping pills and slit her wrist. Green cited this incident as a wake-up call to change his life. Okay, so so the only reason like 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 I'm just putting this part in is because <laughs> there was like 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 mom, with your generation, was there some people that think Al Green might have killed her? All right, there are plenty of people that was like, mm, mm, that's quite interesting. Mm. Well, did they check the handwriting on the note? Like, I'm sure it was like, it, it was a bunch of that type of talk, right? But Al Green makes good enough music to where you can turn to like love and happiness. It's just kind of like, hey, look, man, you know, it was, you know, it was probably some drug. Like, you always gotta throw in some drugs. You know, it was drugs and it was grits. It was a crazy time, and then you get a pass for that. But the point is, you know, Al Green, he's he's made music good enough to make you turn a blind eye to some things. So two things have happened towards the end of this year that I'm sure will get, you know, lost in the mix and like people will eventually forget about. But I found it very interesting because cause these gentlemen are roughly my age and was part of my childhood. And they're beefing with uh, the people that put them on. Lil Romeo is getting into it with Master P. And Bow Wow is beefing with Jermaine Dupri. 
And maybe like beef is like a strong word, but um, they you know like they they're beefing in the way that like niggas aren't are saying mean things about each other on social media. <laughs> That's it's really but it's like oh they beefing yeah yeah. Then he then he said this in a tweet and then, imagine imagine like you know Tupac and Biggie came back and not like not like you know they got to grow and see everything that's happening from the heavens and then they come down. I mean, like, imagine, like, we froze them, like, Dr. Evil, and then we had to explain to them, like, and they beefing, like, word, niggas getting shot at? Nah, man, he, he wrote something about them on the internet. Like, this Because now, like, that is beef. Like, a nigga... Like, now a nigga that was born in, like, 1971 because he's, like, grew with the time... Because like, he, like, was able to change with the times and, and all that. Like, he may consider that beef, but if you just take a nigga that was born in 1971 and then go, like, that's beef, like, that would be interesting. Biggie made a song called What's Beef. Anyways, um, in short, the the Lil' Romeo and Master P thing, basically, Master P saying he can't get a hold of Romeo. Master P uploaded a video of him in, like, some camouflage shorts and a hoodie on top of a hill, and somebody filmed him saying, I can't get a hold of my son, Romeo. And then Romeo said, like, you're addicted to social media. You got over 3,000 posts. <laughs> like, when Romeo said that, I was like, I know. He just been like, this fucking old-ass nigga embarrassing the fucking, <laughs> embarrassing the fucking no-limit tank. What is he, all these fucking posts? That's the thing. It's funny because it's like, well, old niggas on social media, it's like, I noticed, like, they either, like, like, Jay-Z has a Twitter that he uses strategically. Like, he'll likes it. Like, when Drake had the line about Meg the Stallion, he liked a tweet that criticized Drake saying that. Then he unliked the tweet to, like, get... Because that's what Jay-Z does. Like, to be like, let me make my point and then and then get off. Or it'll be, like, Snoop Dogg, where, like, Snoop Dogg is basically, like, his Instagram is basically just, like, a meme account at this point. But, um... No, nah, but, but uh, yeah, P and Romeo had their little back and forth, and uh, Romeo's saying he hasn't been seeing the rap snack money, and he said that, like, uh, his dad will, he said, like, mom was right about you. Your pride means everything. And you know, like, with some family shit, when a nigga starts talking about what his mom says, you know he ain't fucking with daddy. Like, when he's like, yeah, mom said, mom always said you was like this. <laughs> so, well, that whole thing was going on. You know, it was a little quick anecdote, like, I remember, like, I got in trouble a few times at school, and, like, it was some shit that my mom knew about, and she didn't tell my dad about. There was some shit my dad knew about, and he didn't tell my mom about. And then we had this we had this vice principal. Her name was Miss Vignovich. We called her Miss V, but you know what we called her? We called her Miss Vigabitch. Miss Vignovich. We called her Miss Bitch. Because she was a fucking bitch. Like, a bitch like with a capital b like first off she was like she had like that just like that crappy like curly white lady 90s hair where it looks like she just like took off a motorcycle helmet or some shit for like four days and she had like these big ass glasses and she was she was like one of them like big giraffe looking bitches she was probably like i mean as a kid like everything is bigger like like oh my god this is such a big zoo and it's like nigga it's like 400 feet it's not that big but she was probably like, I don't know, like, like in my mind, she was like 5'10", but she was probably like, I don't know, maybe 5'7", 5'8". But she, and she wore heels, but she was tall and she wore her pants all the way up to her stomach. And then we would imitate her. We would like 
put our pants up to her stomach and then like walk around and be like, "Hey, I'm I'm Miss Vigna, bitch. I'm Miss Vig. Hey, I'm Miss bitch." Yeah. The Mexican kids like like the black and the white kids. We'd be like, "Hey, Miss Vigna, bitch." But the ESL kids be like, "Hey, that's Miss bitch over there. That's Miss bitch." It was fun. But so the thing that would happen though, like back back to to like Romeo taking his mom's side or his dad's side, is it's like. It was times like Miss V would be like, mm, I see that Mr. Barron's, mm, I see uh, uh, Mr. Barron. Look, these are divorced motherfuckers trying to co-parent. They're not going to tell, like, hey, we need to talk about, like, Lyle fought a nigga. Lyle told a joke. And, like, by the way, that's the thing with principals where there's, like, some bitch ass, especially with black kids. I'm going to call your mom. It's like, the fact that, like, my mom be like, they called my office. I'm like, why are you getting mad at me that they called your office? And then, because my mom had to be like, look. Just put the nigga on timeout. You don't need to call me every time like he he fucking disrupts the class. Like what I can't leave. Like what, what the fuck is this doing? Like you're fucking up my work day. You're wasting like and I would be mad at that too. If I was a parent, what the fuck is all these tax public school nigga? What the fuck is all these tax dollars going for if you can't just put a nigga in a corner and tell me like when I'm done? Like fuck you, you know. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, that's crazy. No, but so... <laughs> no, no, but so... Okay, so... I look at this, and then... Uh, so, so, so like, the shit with Romeo and P is, is uh, on the surface of money shit. He's like, hey, you don't call no more. And then, like, P... Romeo's saying, like, he pays people on the outside, but nobody on the inside. You guys all my uncles. Like, he don't... Like, he's funny with the money. And it makes sense because uh, basically, like, like when Snoop got, because uh, Snoop going from Death Row to No Limit, it was almost like a basketball trade, like, because it was, it was something like No Limit, uh, Master P paid Shook Knight and them, and I, probably Jimmy Iovine too, if I'm not mistaken, but P paid them something like, uh, it was like two point four million or something like that, or it was about, or was it like an even four million, and then also uh, some song publishing stuff so then they could still make money off him while he was on uh no limit and, and snoop was like you know master p hooked it up you know he had me like i got there i had a car i had a gas station it was all in my name and it makes sense because snoop was a star before master p and snoop was going to be a star after master p so it makes sense and snoop dog was talked a lot about sugar and one thing that snoop is gonna do he's gonna smoke his weed and talk his shit, and be like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said all that, but you know, and then, like, because you never know, Snoop is kind of like me in this regard, because I'm kind of like that, where it's like, certain days are like, nah, I don't really want to get in all that, then there'll be a day like, so nigga, let me tell you, you know, it's like, you never know which Lyle Bears you're gonna get, but so anyway, so this is, like, totally believable, you know, Master P is like, like, I give him his flowers for everything, but No Limit is one of those labels, I just was never, I was more of a cash money guy, if we're gonna talk about, like, southern rap labels, Master P just always set off my bullshit detector. Like, he just really... And look, all, I think all these niggas is full of shit. I think Diddy's full of shit. I think Jermaine Dupree, Irv Gotti, all these niggas is, like, full of shit, and they live in bubbles, and everybody kisses their ass, and if they get challenged with some shit, they're not gonna know how to handle it. Like, it, it's fine. Like, that's how these rap mogul niggas are. But P, his, like, bull, like there's this article you gotta read about... And I'm not trying to make this, like, a shit on Master P podcast, because I still... Like, res- respect the nigga and everything he did, even if, like, I fucking hate his music and everybody on his label. Like, fucking hate that music, man. 
Just so much bad music. You know, like, I kind of think they're responsible for when niggas was like, man, I don't want you trying to hear that dirty South shit. I kind of think No Limit just kind of perpetuated that. This is, like, probably a take a lot of people, like, oh, Lyle hate No Limit records? I'm like, yeah, nigga. Like, they put out music, like, every week. You think that shit is going to be good? Like, okay, they made a lot of money. Because that's what we talk about when we talk about No Limit. Oh, they made so much money. I'm like, nigga, I don't care. Nigga, is the music good? Anyways, that, that uh, that's not what I'm here for because I still, like, you know, Still flowers for P, though, for being an entrepreneur and all the shit that he done. Um, look, I see that. Then Bow Wow gets on um, gets on Twitter. And, you know, Bow Wow's been doing some, like, kooky stuff lately. Like, Bow had a thing where he was trying to holler at this, uh, this chick that's, like, a wrestler. And then they got... Like, Bow does some, like, questionable... There was, like, the Bow Wow challenge, if you don't remember, years ago, where he uh, posted, like, a private jet that wasn't really his... Or that he wasn't even flying, like, and he got caught or whatever. Um, but anyways, Bow Wow on Twitter, he said, me and JD have no work chemistry. I ain't work with that boy in years. He do him, and I do me. First off, when you call, like, a nigga that puts you on that boy, that's, the, like, if one of my little homies called me that, like, if Matt Ducker called me that boy, I'd be like, look, nigga. Like, I'd be like, what, 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 what's wrong? Yes. I wish Matt Ducker he was here go, I would definitely not do that. I miss that nigga. Anyways, um, then he said, uh, he said Snoop is the, and he did, he does it. This, this is something that niggas need to stop doing. He said, Snoop is the best thing that happened to me. If it wasn't for him, none of y'all would know me. That's the only big homie I got. He gave me a chance. Everyone else was just add-ons to what we had started. Oh, that nigga's hurt. That nigga's hurt. But then he made it clear, yeah, he got no animosity towards him. He said, JD, cool, we just don't work together. That's all me and JD ain't worked together in, like, 10 years. I got to work with the man to be cool. Like, that's what he said. And then he he shared albums that I think was – he shared, like, a, a a cover on Twitter of – um what was it? Beware of the Dog, his first album, and he just with the caption, mid. He said, he said don't care – for my albums, don't don't have, like. He said, "Don't care for any of my albums. Don't have a favorite song. Really don't care about them like y'all do." In response to somebody tweeting, "What's your favorite album project you worked on?" And to me, Bow's best music was his first two albums, uh, "Beware the Dog." I played the fuck out of Doggy Bag, and the Like Mike soundtrack. Then when he like hit puberty and his voice broke, and there was that song with with Baby. It's really, really nice to meet you, Ma. I'm really digging your style. Let's get down. <laughs> and like he didn't sound, he didn't have like that little like little ghetto kid eating hot Cheetos, and, and, and you know his acting a fool up in the grocery store. Like when he lost that like like hair nappy, but I'm happy pocket full of like when he that was like man, I don't want to hear this nigga rap no more. Like he just because you, you know what it is like Bow Wow sounded like he had like like he had gone through some like struggles when he first started and you know he has seen some shit but anyways this is what i really want to talk about i, I don't want to get into all the petty shit with with because i mean really really what i think it is on the surface rami was like look i'm not trying to hear you talk about yourself all day i'm not trying to hear like nigga you owe me money you up here uploading, you up here on Instagram all day, you 54 years old, you a grandfather, what's wrong with you, nigga? You know, like, I'm sure that's what Romeo was looking like, and Romeo said that me and my mom live uh, check to check, month to month. 
So and and like we know how bad the economy is. So Romy's like, nigga, fuck the same way how like right now. I'm like, nigga, fuck the Bay Area. I can't stand this shit. There's a certain point where you're just like, nigga, I'm gonna stop. I don't care if like a good percentage of my fans live in the Bay. Nigga, I'm I so did I and I fucking hate the place. So like there's a certain point where we just say fuck it. And I think that's what happened with Romeo. In regards to Bow Wow, I think like that nigga's like that nigga's been a little bit nutty, you know? Like that just is what it is. Um I think Bao is just kind of, I think Bao is like, and not to put him on the couch because I don't like look at the nigga super closely, but I think there's a certain point as an artist where you start going like, okay, what have I really accomplished? What can I really do? And you start, and like, he's like, yeah, this guy ain't really all that. Like, you know, there's a picture of Bow Wow. I laughed my ass off when I saw it. It was a Bow Wow and he was like shaking his head. It looked like he was like getting crunk. You know, he was like, he was like sweating and it and then, and biting his lip and he looked like he was really rocking out. And the caption said, Bow ain't make one song that, that would make him do that. <laughs> like and, it, and like he looked like he was, I don't know, listening to like some DMX or some shit. Like like just like, uh, you know. And he <laughs> that just made me laugh. <laughs> I it made, I had to do a Will Smith grunt. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, this Barolo is delicious. But so, when he says, like, I ain't had no big homie, he wasn't really my big homie, he was an add-on. When I hear stuff like that is, and I'm speaking to this as, like, a guy that has had people that, like, some might say with a big brother or call themselves a big brother, but I'm like, this nigga ain't my big homie. Like, yeah, he older and he got more money than me, and he rolling around and, like, whatever, and, like, he'll pick up the tab. But that's not my big homie. But it's like, is it or is it not? Oh, this nigga's talking, but I don't really think he's got no good advice. But I hang around him because he like kind of cool or whatever he around. But he not my big homie. But it's like, and this this is where like shit gets like kind of tricky. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm speaking to a societal because like I'm speaking on a societal level because what with what Bow and Romeo got is like Romeo's like beefing with his dad who's like a clear narcissist. Bow Wow is, is talking about a nigga where like. He may have felt like Jermaine said some slick shit or he may just also like niggas just be in the house some days and just be like, nigga, fuck it. This is how I feel. Like I have days like that where I just wild out on an Instagram story or, or uh, on a post online. And I'll just be like, nigga, I don't give a fuck. This is how I feel. Fuck y'all. Like I, I have, I have my days like that. So like, I get that. But to, to just kind of more speak to the relationship of, cause also like within the black community is like with big homies and big brothers that means something different than you know because it's like because we get raised in two different types of ways like there's the way our parents raise us there's the way um if you are lucky enough to have extended relatives raise you then there's the way that you're raised when you outside i don't even gonna say the streets but i'm just gonna say there's the way that you know the homies can raise there's the way these other things and it's like with me I had like these people around me that they would, I remember it was like, cause I had a nigga who was like, I'm like your big brother. I'm like, no, I don't respect you. I don't, th- you just older than me. You had these things, but you're stupid nigga. Like, no, I don't fucking, I don't like, but at the same time, it's like, if this nigga's like, if this nigga comes around me, he's like, yo, lie, I'm tired of seeing them green texts. I'm gonna get you an iPhone. Nigga. You can't be out here like that. 
and whatever. And he's like, boom, boom, give me his money for the bill. But here, got you an iPhone. Boom. Like, if it's niggas around, like, but then is he my big homie? And it's like, and the answer is yes and kind of no. So it's like, well, Bow Wow, is Jermaine Dupree his big homie? The answer is yes and no. It's like, look, you could have big homies that, because, I mean, I think the problem is, like, people think that, like, big brother or big homie means you have, like, this, this like, super deep emotional connection, this, like, super strong bond with them. And that's not always going to be the case. Like, you could be... A loose big homie. You could be like, cause in some people, some people like having little homies around because they like they fancy themselves. Uh, what was that word that lady said to Nucky Thompson? I was just watching this on what a patriarchal figure. Some guys just like being like get like boom 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 boom. It's not even that that's their love language. It's like or that's how they want to flex. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just also like it's just second nature. You know what I'm saying? But what guys have to realize is, and this this is something that's really that's complicated on both ends, right? What young dudes have to realize is, what the little homies have to realize is, okay, just because you don't feel a, a emotional connection or you don't like things that this older dude does, at the same time, you hanging around them, and they have things that you don't have, whether it be money, whether it be game, whether it be access, and you still hanging around them. So even if you didn't always 100% fuck with them like that, you are still the little homie because you are still there. You know what I'm saying? And what the older niggas got to realize is, okay, just because it's things that you got that the little homie don't got, one, that doesn't mean they revere you the same way. Like, you can't think... Like you could you could slip and fall off in their eyes. And sometimes like I've had little homies that turn out to be some bitch ass niggas. Like that also happens. And I've had older homies that turn out to be some bitch ass niggas, right? So things like that can happen. Like and the other thing that like and this is like where shit can get tricky is when it's like when the little homie ends up becoming the big homie. So have you know, fuck it. Let me put my business out there. So like I mean, first off, fuck that nigga Raphael Woods, bitch ass nigga. Fuck DJ Illa, he a bitch ass nigga. But so with that said, right? His and I said this to his face. It's fine. Um. So what happened was with with the whole situation at the pod studio is Ralph was on maternity leave because Ralph was having a kid, and Ralph didn't even like I we knew, but Ralph didn't tell us, and like. To me, that's kind of weird. It's like you having a kid and you ain't letting niggas know. Like, that's a little. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if if my like if I had a kid, like if I was having a kid, like I may I may not even put it up on here. Well, if I'm having a kid, you know that shit wasn't planned. But <laughs> like if I was, you know, I would anyways, the point being though, I since being in LA, I've really made a life for myself. Like I'm running my own shows, my business is going well. I got uh Oh shit, what else do I got? No, but I'm saying like like shit has been going good. And, and like he been out and then it, it was me, Matt, Brandon, Danny, and we had like a really good rapport with the way things was going. It it also wasn't no fifth wheel. And we was just like really vibing and we had a system and it was beautiful. Then Ralph came back and Ralph's like, Oh, I'm the big homie again. It's like, no, I took your spot, nigga. And we, and me and Ralph, like, really, really got into it, right? 
And I say all that to say that that nigga came around and he was still like, I'm in big homie mode, but he did not do a temperature check. And this is the thing when it comes with home. And I, and this is like beyond like the, the bow Romeo P and JD situations at this point. But the thing that happens like Lloyd, like 50 cents said this when he was talking about Lloyd Banks, 50 was like, I mean, the issue with Lloyd Banks is when Lloyd Banks is around his homies, Lloyd is the big homie to all his homies. But then when I come around, I'm his big homie. And I'm the big homie to all of them. So before it'd be like, all right, all right, what Banks say? Then I come around, it's like, all right, 50, what we doing? And Banks didn't like that. And I'm not saying that's where I was, because niggas, cause it was just kind of like, all right, because there is like certain unspoken alpha shit, and you just kind of got to let the alphas duke it out. But what I'm saying is, if you are a big homie, you got to know, it's about respect, because there's a point where it's like, okay, this nigga that was a little homie, he kind of got, and, and the shit with me and Rao was more complicated, because it was like his studio, his equipment, but at the same time, I was the artist, and I was like having to run of things the way I wanted, but Ralph is like, Ralph's like a, ha- I mean, Ralph a punk-ass house nigga, so like, he was like half-stepping. On one side, he wanted to be like an artist and be on camera, then on the other side, he wanted to be like behind the scenes, like, nigga don't know what he want, bitch-ass nigga. But the point being, though, <laughs> that's, you know, that's what I love about having a pod is you can just shoot at niggas all day. Like, it's fucking... It's like, yeah, fuck that nigga. Like, what you gonna do? You know? But my point being... I love how on here I'd be like, my point being... And then it'd be like Spongebob, five hours later. But... <laughs> No, but my point being, though, is, like, if you are a big homie and you see that your little homie has come up, you also got to give them space and respect. But at the same time, when you're a little homie, you it's not even like you can't stick your chest out. Then when your big homie come around and it's niggas look at you like you the little homie, it's like, it's about protocol, okay? Sammy obeyed, for example. This, this is, like, more work-related than social, but... Sammy obeyed, then Lyle Barons. Sammy's above me. So if I'm doing Sammy, sh- sh- like at the at the improv, right? It was a hot crowd. Do you know how much I just wanted to run the light and do fucking 15 minutes? I really did. I really wanted to get my shit out. But I'm like, no, this is my big homies night. This is, like, he's filming, like, a special he's going to put up on YouTube, you know? So I'm like, fuck, this is his night. He has his fans here. This is him. I brought, like, two people came out to see me. Everybody else is there for him. And even if, like, half the room was for me and instead of him, I still humble myself because I'm like, yo, you the big homie. You got me in the room. I do what you say. I'm setting it up for you, right? Now, if Sammy does my show... And he runs a light, and he brings a bunch of bullshit in. Then we have a problem, because it's like, all right, now you you in the space where I'm the big homie, and you're not respecting that, even though you still are my big homie. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's just like a lot of like big homie, little homie relationships is you need to adjust your ego with certain things, because then shit can get out of whack. Okay, wait, and let me be, like, real petty and just add this, right? 
I hate when a nigga thinks he's your big brother just because he's older. Like, there's this one comic. I'm not going to say who the comic's name. But this one comic, right? He was like, he was like, I mean, because you know, Lyle, you like my little brother. And I was like, how the fuck do you figure that, nigga? Like, you ain't give me no, like, real advice. You ain't, let's no game. Like, there's no, you ain't my life, big brother. You were just an old nigga. And there's a certain thing where, like, older niggas need to realize, like, you just, you just an old nigga to this guy. Like, you don't give him no game. You don't give him no advice. Like, I will still show, it's not even like I'm going to show my elders respect. It's like, I'm just going to show like people a line of respect that I would just want to show. Like I remember I was um I was at like a restaurant in the valley and I needed to get some change and it was like this old this old Jewish lady and she was like on the side. I, I can't remember how I knew she's Jewish, but it just fucking I I, I I you know I was a little drunk. I was like, you know what? I was drunk the day before from the open bar at the holiday party at the comedy store. And I was just like, you Jewish, right? And she's like, yes, yes, I am. I was like, yeah, good for you. <laughs> That's not the point though. The point that I said, like, I had been like waiting in line longer, but I was just like, oh, you, you let her go first. And she's like, thank you, thank you very much. It's very gentlemanly. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I hate that like my my generation. They're too weird about gender norms. Like they like you need to bring some old fashioned things back. And she said, I totally agree with you 100% about everything that you were saying. But so my point that cause she was like, because you know, you gotta think, like, how would you want your mother to be treated? I'm like, that's what the fuck I'm saying. But anyways, my point is that I will I will give old people I like I give all people like a certain level of baseline respect. But don't think because you older than me that like I revere you the same way that I would my mother or a big brother or a father. It's like because sometimes you just an old motherfucker. You know, you can't and you get fucked up when you come around here with that. Hey, little bruh shit. It's like, nigga, don't don't find out about yourself now. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you very much for tuning in. Truly appreciate it. Hope y'all guys bring the new year on a wonderful note. And I will see y'all in 23. Michael Jordan year, nigga. Let's get it. Mm-hmm.